0: Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, it's the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. Let's talk freight. All right, what up, Midnight Freight Broker Nation? We are back again for episode 39. 39. So, if it's your first time listen or if you are a long time listener, I do appreciate you being here. Make sure to check out all the other episodes if you haven't done that yet. Leave me that review and share me with all your friends in the industry. We've got a review here from Cut It Out AZ. Cut It Out AZ says an absolutely outstanding, relevant, and informative podcast about the industry. Thank you. Stumbled upon this podcast last night and was absolutely blown away. I have listened to several other that talk about our industry and these guys blow them out of the water. It is direct, informative, and not bloated with useless dialogue. And the hosts do an outstanding job sharing and discussing all things freight broker. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but I do appreciate the great review there. It helps my rankings and leave that five stars if you guys haven't done it yet. So, Today's episode, we're gonna continue this series on hiring. So this is part three, and this is specifically gonna be about hiring for your agency if you're a 1099 agent. But first, I've got an article from Freight Waves. They're always producing great content. So this article recently came out this week, and it's titled, Volumes Fall Week Over Week, but are now up 10% year over year. So obviously, before I get into the content of the article, The biggest thing that we've seen this year in freight is going to be the economic impacts on people's purchasing and the amount of shipping that we've seen throughout the country and border closings, things of that nature. So, as the country starts to reopen, we're seeing a lot of shifts heading back in the right direction. So, here's what the article talks about it mentions that the country is reopening and companies are producing, but it's a long process. And I completely agree with that. So, Here in New York, we are in phase two now of reopening, which means now you can get a haircut. You can go to all the retail stores uh, inside instead of just curbside. So retail alone is huge. That's a great impact on the supply chain. That demand is increased, not to mention there's a ton of unemployment money out there if you're not working, but if you're back to work, you have more money to spend as well. So as the economy reopens, we're going to see an uptick in the amount of freight volumes. Um, so spot rates are on the rise. The article states, and they're the high. It's the highest rate of growth since March. Obviously, March. Uh, I think it was around, right around St. Patty's Day, was when the national shutdown really put things at a halt and grind. So having that highest rate of growth since March, that's a great indicator right there. That says that we're heading in the right direction. We're making big strides. Um, generous unemployment increases consumer activity. Obviously, we've seen the $600 per week add-on that the federal government has thrown into every state's unemployment process. Um, So when people have more money, like I just mentioned, they're going to buy more stuff. And buying more stuff creates demand, which increases shipping overall. this This is all good. Now, the article quotes, carriers are still accepting nearly every contracted load they can get their hands on to keep utilization high and keep trucks rolling. Capacity will not tighten aggressively until freight volumes are fully restored in most markets around the country, and that has not happened yet. So, my big takeaway here is that things are looking good. We're making forward progress, but we're not done yet. It's a long, long process to reopen a country. This is something that we've never done before in the modern era. So, we're all learning as we go, and I'll reiterate, reiterate again, be patient, be kind to one another, Get out there, support those local businesses. If you're, you know, if you if you get to a restaurant, leave a nice big generous tip. You know, you want to go, go out to the retail stores, go buy all those spring and summer clothes that you haven't been able to buy the last couple of months. Let's we'll see if you still fit into your old sizes. I know that my uh, my wardrobe needs a little bit of a change here. <laughs> Just waiting for those gyms to open back up. Uh, so that's an article. Check out the show notes. The link is in there. It's from Freight Waves. Those guys are always producing great content. So check it out. Uh, All right. Hiring for your agency. This is a part three on this three-part series on hiring. So there's also a link in the show notes here of an article that I did on LinkedIn. It was about a year, maybe a year and a half ago with this exact specific situation here. Now we hit on hiring W-2 and hiring 1099 in the past. Now I want to focus specifically on the agent. So you're already a 1099 agent for a freight brokerage. And you're working by yourself and you're ready to hire that first employee. So one of the, one of the things I started off my article with was some quotes of th- statements that I would hear over and over again from agents when they'd come to me asking, what do I do? So here's some of the quotes. Well, I don't trust anyone to do this job as good as me. And that's true. And you all know who you are with that mentality. Some people out there are afraid to let other people into their business because they don't think that they can do a good enough job like they're doing. Um, valid concern. The next one is, what if they end up costing me money? Also a valid concern, and I'm gonna hit on that with a, a break even analysis. And the last one, how will I train someone when I'm so busy? I think this is the often overlooked part and um, people that mention that situation right there, they're, they're thinking the right way. Their head's in, in the right arena because uh, some people just think, I'll just hire somebody and they're going to make me more money. Well, no, you've got to spend time to train them, make sure that they understand the way that you do things, right? And make sure that they're not just out there on an Island doing whatever they want, right? This is, there's a reason you're going to hire somebody. So the first time you hire somebody, right? The first hire and the first fire is the hardest hire and the hardest fire. Remember that. Okay. Um, this is all about you and all about your business. So when you go to hire somebody, you wanna go through a thorough vetting process to make sure that you're gonna be bringing someone onto your now team that's actually valuable and lines up with your values and is gonna be performing to a level of your expectations. So I always recommend if you're gonna hire somebody, um, and even sometimes if you're gonna fire somebody, talk it over with another person, right? If it's a spouse or a business mentor in the professional setting, whatever you wanna do, right? Because a lot of times having an outside opinion they, someone else might see something or hear something that you're not seeing or hearing, right? I've even heard examples of people when they're going to make a hire, they'll do a a dinner sit-down with the employee and their spouse if they're married, and the person hiring will actually bring their spouse too because then they kind of get that secondary, uh, hey, does this feel right? Did it seem right to you? Uh, I'm not saying you got to do that. I think that might be a little bit for uh, different situations, but it's always good to go through a good analysis on the person that you're going to be bringing onto your team, okay? So remember that, the first hire, it's gonna be the hardest because it's the first time you're ever doing it. It's like the first time that you're ever cold calling a customer or the first time you're ever covering a load or the first time you have to go to your customer and tell them that you screwed up and you made a mistake, okay? So don't beat yourself up. It's a intimidating process, but it's all for the good. So really one of the first steps that you should do when analyzing this is to identify your needs as well as your comfort level with growing a team, right? So not only do you have to need somebody on your team, you have to be comfortable hiring someone on your team. Some people are just lifelong solo operators. They don't want to work with anybody else. They want to be a one person agency and that's totally fine. You know, you're gonna probably cap yourself out at a certain uh, level of revenue or profit. Um, or amount of loads, like I've seen people that can do upwards of ten to fifteen loads a day, and depending on the complexity of that, that's a lot of work. So if you're comfortable with expanding your business and hiring somebody on, and you've identified that you actually have a need to, that you are at you're you're busting at the seams, then yes, it's a good idea. Now, I don't think that you should hire just because you think you can make more money. You should be you should have exhausted your manpower yourself before you look to hire somebody else on. Right. You should be an expert at what you're doing because that eventually once you bring them on, you're going to be their mentor and you're going to be their boss. OK, so you've got to identify that you actually have a need to hire somebody and that you're comfortable being a boss and doing that. OK, now things to consider in this situation is, is someone going to be handling your customer accounts? Then there's pros and cons of this. Right. Pros. If you can have somebody maintain and manage a relationship with one of your customers, that allows you to expand your reach to additional accounts and customers for prospecting, okay? Um, Now there is obviously risk in this, right? So what's the con? You now have a different voice and face that's gonna be interfacing with your customer. So you don't have control over what is being said or how they're being handled. So there is some delicacy that comes with this. So there's obviously pros and cons with handling your accounts. Another thing to consider is this person is representing your business, okay? So if they're a hotshot, stellar rock star, that's huge, that's awesome, right? They're just gonna be expanding the incredible business image that you've already got, right? Beyond just you, now there's two of you, okay? Now cons, if that person is not high caliber, is not a go-getter, you know, they're, they're kinda lazy, yeah, you don't really want them representing your business so much. So um, definitely look at something like that. Now, remember, this person is not a clone of you. They are not you 2.0 and no one ever will be. Okay? They are different. And there's this is a good thing though because you are gonna be able to create synergy with your agency because what you do by your what you do on your own and what that person does on their own is not equal to what you can do together when you're joining forces, right? That's simple synergy right there. Plus, just like I mentioned getting an, an outside perspective from a spouse or mentor when hiring, having an extra body or mind and voice there with you in the office or in your working environment. That's going to help you have an additional perspective for your business. Okay, they might see things that you're not identifying on a day to day basis, such as um, you know maybe the way that you're pricing or the way that they're handling certain situations. Okay, um, now the next thing that you definitely need to be doing is going through a break even analysis. And I know I mentioned this earlier on because this is this is how you can. Easily identify when you are ready to hire. Okay. So, in a break even analysis, what you're going to do is compare the cost of hiring somebody. All right. And that's not just salary, that could include taxes you have to pay um, for employment. If you're going the W 2 route, that could include the cost of putting a seat in an office for them, providing them with technology. If you have any fees that you have to pay your brokerage, all right. The all in cost. All right. And that's a monetary cost versus your increased earnings. So um, I'm just going to pick a a ballpark number here. Let's say you're at a million dollars a year in top line revenue for your sales, 15% margin. So you're doing 150K in gross profit, right? Um, Say you're making 70%, all right? So you're getting a little over $100,000 a year in commission, all right? Now, if you're going to hire an additional person, you got to think in dollars of commission that you earn after you pay them out, right? Has to be a net positive. Okay. So if you're going to spend $40,000 a year to hire somebody, and that's an all in cost with all the fees, all the overhead, their pay and everything, you need to be taking home at least $40,000. That would be your break even point before it would even be worth it. Uh, and I know I mentioned in the past that it might take some time to ramp that person up, right? You might have to spend some time training and going through the acclimating phases of bringing on a new employee. Maybe they, maybe they have a learning curve on the industry. Um, maybe they don't, right? But obviously, the, the longer you're going to spend on training somebody, the lower their compensation is probably going to be to start because they're bringing less to the table. So um, make sure also when you're looking at hiring somebody that you're hiring for tasks that generate profit your first hire should not be someone to come in and clean your office (laughs) and you'd be you think i'm crazy but there's been some people out there that their first hire is oh i need an assistant well to do what to tell you what your emails are and to answer the phones for you you know, there's a time and place to have administrative assistance and administrative help come on. And I'll actually, I'll talk about that. Um, But you're, you need to be hiring for tasks that generate profit. At the end of the day, you are on a commission split, right? And if you're paying somebody out, that comes out of your commission that you're earning from your company. So what kind of roles are you going to be looking to hire for? Um, You can do like just an operations role. You can do just a sales role. You could do maybe a junior broker that's going to handle both. You may want to go the sub agent route. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to do this, and at the end, I'll actually give you my recommendation on how to do it. But you need to identify the role. So the most common situation is um, from a single freight broker. It'll sound something like this: They'll call me up and say, "Hey Nate, you know, I am. I think I'm ready to hire, and here's why." And they'll talk about, you know, I'm working fifteen hour, sixteen hour days. I'm literally giving loads back to my customer because I don't have enough time to to get them all posted, covered, get the rates done, do all the check calls. That is a great problem to have in my eyes. Okay, That is when you should be looking to hire somebody. And that's an operations hire right there. right? You've got so much freight from your customers that you're going to bring in somebody. And I'm going to go with operations here to assist you on that side because you're really, really, really good at getting loads from them. But you don't have the time in your day and the sanity left in your brain to be able to cover all that freight and still live a healthy lifestyle. So, bringing on an operations person is a great way to start off, right? That could be dispatch. Um, that could be someone that's just gonna do some check calls for you. You know, once they're comfortable with it, they can be posting loads up and talking to carriers, negotiating rates. It's whatever you're most comfortable with. There is no cookie cutter right answer on how to do this. Um, some people look at hiring sales first, and I'm not a big fan of that. Um, The thought process could be, well, you know, I really like working operations. I'm sick of making cold calls and, you know, calling on customers and being told no. So I'll just hire some other kid to come in here and pound the phones. Well, I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that you already know and it might sting, but that's the job of a freight broker. It kind of sucks sometimes. Right. That's any sales role. And you've got to get used to hearing no. Okay, that's that should be your main job. The, the customer at the end of the day is the one footing the bill. They're the one that ultimately, in a roundabout way, is the one paying your commission check, right? They're paying an invoice to your brokerage. Your brokerage has to cover their overhead, and then they're gonna pay you a commission of, you know, whatever, 70% or whatever it might be. So you should wanna keep the sales side of things towards the beginning. With yourself because that's going to be the most that's going to be the the heaviest impact on your overall income is going to be the customer side. So hiring sales first is is fairly dangerous. If you got a stud that you want to bring in, I'm not telling you you're wrong. Uh, I just wouldn't recommend it. Okay, at least in most situations. Um, another option would be a sub agent, right? And this gets a little bit tricky. And I talked about it on the last episode. So the sub agent, you're going to bring them on. You're not really hiring them, you're contracting them. They're 1099, okay? And you're gonna say either A, you have a book of business and I'll let you come into my agency. If I'm making 70%, I'll pay you less, I don't know, 50% or whatever, depending on what you're doing for them. Or B, you don't have a book of business and I'm gonna bring you on as a sub agent. You're gonna handle all your sales and operations, but I'm gonna mentor you and show you how I do things so that you can succeed. The danger with sub agents is that they can come and go, and you don't really have a whole lot of control over them. Um, I don't recommend going the sub agent route. I think the the greatest way to grow your agency is to start small, right? If maybe your your home office or wherever it is, maybe you're in your your garage or small office space. Maybe you got two extra seats, okay? And you got someone that's in there with you. You're going to train them on how to do things your way, not just hire some contracted sub agent. Um, Because I always ask the question, why would somebody want to be a sub-agent when they could just go be an agent somewhere else? There's plenty of companies out there that will take somebody on even if they don't have a book of business, all right? They're not all reputable companies, and, you know, I'm not a big fan of all of them, but they're out there. Someone's going to have an opportunity somewhere, okay? Uh, So overall, my recommendation here to put it in a nutshell is if you're an agent, first of all, I would hope that you're an agent at a company that has some level of support from corporate with your operation. If you're bogged down one day, super busy, you're sick, out of the office, death in the family, whatever the case might be, first of all, you want to make sure that you're aligned with a company that's going to support that part of your business. Second of all, you want to make sure that you're with a company that is aligned with your goal to grow your agency, right? If they'd say, because I've seen agencies that don't allow sub-agents, they don't allow employees, all right? Or they might be very, very strict on their, um, you know, process and allowing agents to bring people on. Well, oh, you're, we're going to do, you know, you're going to hire somebody? Well, we need to approve that on our end. Um, well, well, why? You know, I'm, I'm running my own operation here. Why do you need to approve my hire? Um, you know, I get it like a background check, something like that, if they want to go that route in some situations, but um, telling you that no, you're not ready to hire yet uh, or something like that, or you can't hire a dispatcher, we want you doing all this, no, I wouldn't go that route. So make sure that you're with a company that has the values and they're aligned with the same business mindset that you are, because at the end of the day, this is your livelihood, all right? So I would recommend if you're with the right company and they're, they're gonna support your growth, which I would hope that they would, um, first thing I would do is if you get to that point where you are bogged down and you are out of time in your day and you're losing your sanity because you, you're you turning, you're giving loads back, you feel like you're looking bad to your, on your customer side, um, start to rely and lean on your carrier sales group or your in-house dispatch team or whatever asset they have available in-house to help you bridge the gap between you on your own and you with a hired employee. Okay, That's a great way to do it. And I've seen it where... A carrier sales or dispatch team at corporate can handle, you know, maybe just a certain number of lanes during a peak season. And I've even seen them take over a certain all, all the lanes for a certain customer until you're ready to to go through the hiring process and bring on your own person. Right. Uh, because when you hire somebody, they should have a full workload. Otherwise, they're not a full time employee and you're, you're overpaying. OK, so make sure you have enough work for them to do. All right. So using that carrier sales team, and this could be for weeks, months, whatever it takes, okay? And then also make sure that you're discussing with your customers that, hey, there's going to be another person on my team here to help out. Um, they're going to be working on more so sort of the dispatch side, so you know they'll be calling trucks when you know they go for pickup or delivery, and they'll make, be making check calls, making sure you've got all that in-transit visibility, okay? Making sure if you guys want macro point or um, any kind of GPS setup, we're going to make sure that's all taken care of. Have that conversation and be transparent. Right, growing your agency is a good thing, and it's going to offer better support for your customer. All right, so you use carrier sales. That's going to bridge the gap until you can then hire that person to do an operational role. That's my recommendation. Right, that could be like I said, you could kind of grow them into it. Maybe at first you're just showing them how to do um, the dispatch process. Right, the check calls. Right, making sure that driver is staying in communication with you as the broker from pickup all the way to, or actually from dispatch to pickup through the entire in-transit process to delivery and getting that paperwork sent, okay? And then you can kind of expand, you know, peel the layers of the onion back and expand their role a little bit. So now you're gonna have them maybe posting freight, okay? Getting mentored by you on, you know, what kind of margin should we be looking at here? How am I using these tools to see what capacity it looks like in these regions? Really grow and develop that dispatch person. If you can hire one really good person to do a really good job in that role, then they can turn around when you need to and train and help hire that next person as you grow your agency, right? Because you're not going to stop at one, right? You want to keep growing and growing and growing, all right? So now you've got the dispatching side all set, and you can grow that as needed while you handle your customer side of of the house. Now, the next thing that you can look at is hiring sales reps. So if you got yourself to a point where, you know, maybe it's you and a few folks doing dispatch and you're still handling the majority of the customer interfacing, maybe you've even got some of your ops people that are actually getting loads tendered to them after you've negotiated for the week with your customer or for the day with the customer. Great. Hiring sales rep, this is another really big step because now you're going to look at having somebody else interface with customers and, Maybe your customer, maybe their own customer, but they're either way, they're representing your agency and your brokerage company on behalf of you, okay? So hiring a sales rep, i I'm a big fan of hiring somebody that does not have a book of business if it's in this W-2 role. You can train them on the ins and outs of how you like things done. You can show them what works and what hasn't worked for you in the past, right? You always got to remember to do that after action review and say, you know, I don't want you to make mistakes on your own every single time just because it'll help you learn, right? Make certain mistakes on their own as they, you know, help them grow. But talk to them about the big what works and what doesn't work, the mistakes and the successes that you've had in the past and give them that as a starting block, right? But having a, a sales rep in there, they, there's a lot of pride that goes into building your own book of business. So if you can get someone in there to build their own book of business, that's great. You can, help, you can have them kind of assist you with some of your own customer stuff as part of training and maybe you want to hop on some sales calls with them as they get going. Um, it's a really good way to go through it though and, and you're going to have to spend a lot of time mentoring this person and training them on how to do this, right? You got to show them what are the sources that I'm using when I go to find a, a prospective new shipping company, right? How am I handling objections when they come up, okay? What do I do when this situation happens that I've never dealt with before? Uh, you got to go through all that and you've got to be readily available to help all these hires because they're gonna they're gonna run to a lot of firsts once when you first hire them on, okay so now you've got some sales reps on your team right and you can grow that entire department um, if you want to I've seen agencies that'll get up to a healthy size of you know 15 to 20 people um, you got to start thinking about management some office staff in there um, they're good they're there does come a point when an agency can be a little too large, in my opinion. Um, because if you're large enough to, to be self-sustainable, uh, why you know why would you want to still be an agent when you might want to look at expanding into your own broker licensed brokerage? And I get it, right? I've I've spoken on the other side before and I've actually contradicted myself here uh, because an agent-based model does provide you with a ton of support and takes a lot of the, the tedious tasks away from you but there's a, at the end of the day there's a commission split so um, but you being one person one agent running your thing running your show there um, you know I think that 10 15 20 person is a really really good strong size agency and it takes years and years to get there okay um, you want to make sure that you're doing it slow and steady now um, hiring office staff like I mentioned right you may want to have an office manager that's you know that's maybe Maybe they're wearing two hats. Maybe they're like dispatch slash sales manager and their office manager, whatever they're doing. But you want to make sure that somebody is overseeing a lot of the administrative tasks in your office, right? Are people hitting quotas? Are people showing up to work on time? All right. Are people getting, you know, three, six, 12 month reviews to see their progress of their performance, right? They're not, you know, if you're not giving them feedback, you're not, you're doing them a disservice. You're not helping them out as much as you could be. Uh, maybe you want someone that's just gonna track paperwork for billing purposes making sure that everything is submitted to your corporate on time um, that's more of a, a hire that you would look at down the road a couple of years once you've got a lot of business and a lot of you know a good size pool of employees that you that your house there now keys slow and steady like I mentioned right do not hire too fast if you've been an agent for six months and you just became an agent for the first time you're probably not ready to hire but, if you've been an agent for 10 years and you're so stubborn that you're afraid to hire somebody, you just got to bite the bullet and take that step, right? It's a good – and it's I know it's intimidating. It's a little bit scary at first, but what isn't the first time you do it, okay? Take that next step. Get out of your comfort zone and just – even if you just start interviewing, right? Even if you don't have to make that hire, just get, go through the interview process. See what kind of people are out there, what kind of talent pool you're dealing with, Um But don't wait too long. Otherwise, other people are going to grow when you should be growing. But slow and steady, right? You don't want to stop growing. You don't want to try to grow too fast because then you're going to be busting out the seams again. So slow and steady is the key. Now, you want to also expect to have some turnover. Not everyone is going to last forever on your team. Like I said, the first hire is the hardest hire. The first fire is the hardest fire. And when that first person quits on you, too, that's going to sting, too, because you might not have seen it coming because you might have had your blinders on and not known that they were unhappy for so long because maybe you weren't giving them feedback or training them properly or giving them performance reviews, all right? So either way, it's going to happen for one reason or another. Somebody moves. Maybe they get in an office relationship that you didn't know about and there was a breakup, so one of them quits. You, you know, who knows, right? Um, maybe they have a bad performance. Maybe they get really cocky and they're like, I'm going to go do this on my own. Um, you know, you're going to have turnovers. It's gonna happen, so expect it. Plan for it. Think about that in your costs too, because turnover costs money. Because then you've got a lack of your capacity internally, and you've got to spend more money to hire and train somebody else. All right. So the key point, big takeaway is: remember, always refine your process. Always, always, always. Right. You're never gonna be perfect at it. Just like I said, take some interviews. Don't you don't have to hire the first person? Right. Get some feedback. Always refine your process. If you found that, hey, I've been hiring guys from. You know, this one company, they've been coming in and, you know, they tend to have this, this same work ethic that I don't really like. Well, stop hiring from that place. OK. Or maybe you, uh, you know, you're hiring somebody for your for a transportation role and they come from a you know, a different part of transportation that doesn't necessarily correlate or uh, translate properly. We'll stop doing that. You can you can learn what works and what doesn't work and always refine your process. Put it on paper, too. Right. Take notes. Remember have a document that you can go back to when you're, when you're ready to hire. So next time you go to hire uh, an operations rep or a sales rep, pull up that document that says, "All right, I want to look for these things and I want to avoid these things, right? This might sound tedious and silly, uh, but this stuff works, right? This is just simple organization. So that's my take on hiring for your agency. Um, you got to be ready for it. You got to have a need for it. You got to be comfortable with it, all right? And you got to remember it's not going to go perfect every single time. You got to keep refining that process. All right, let's wrap up with some trending in social media. I've got two things here today. Um, I've got a LinkedIn and I've got a Facebook, right? So Jockey on LinkedIn said, Hi, I did freight brokering back in 2006 when all we did was when we – oh, I, I did – I got to figure out how to read this. I did freight brokering back in 2006 when we did all cold calling. I would like to get back into it again since I finished driving truck. Any info of how to get, of how to go about it since technology has prevailed now. Okay, wow, that was tough to read. I should have probably uh, fixed the grammar before I read it here. Um, all right, so Jockey, she brokered about 15 years ago. Did a lot of cold calling. Wants to get back into it. Was driving truck. Um, you know what? I've heard that a lot. Someone leaves broker to go drive truck. That tells me that they're not a good broker. Um, I'm wondering what makes her think that she's going to be a better broker now. Um, either way. I will answer the question. So I will tell you that cold calling has not changed. Cold calling is still a crucial part of success in brokerage. I'm a bigger fan of, fan of warm calling, where you're not just picking up and calling a random person. You're doing research, you're, you're finding all kinds of connections and so, you know, overlap in other parts of the business, so maybe it's a referral from someone else or um, a, a connection from someone that you are related to or are friends with or their acquaintance with, um, that warm call is going to be a lot more effective than the cold call, okay? We can do an episode on that. That's a great idea. Um, now, as far as technology being having prevailed now, well, technology is always getting better um, and it's on an exponential level. So I will tell you, like anything, it's like riding a bike. Um, there's just going to be a learning curve to it. Just got to get used to it. My biggest concern here, though, is why you went to drive truck. So I would recommend if you didn't succeed back in 2006, um, you're definitely going to want to get in with a company that is really, really proven at their success and training folks on how to broker successfully. All right. Don't just take a random sub-agent or agent job somewhere. Go work for somebody as an employee. Learn how to do it successfully. And, you know, that's my recommendation. All right. Tim says, Tim on Facebook, 10% 10% back soliciting rule. Is it worth getting a customer directly and then paying the broker 10%? Is it ethical? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I don't like this. So this is a carrier. And basically saying, okay, so if I, as a carrier, go and find a load from a customer directly as a back solicitation from a broker, and then should I just offer them 10%? Well, you shouldn't back solicit. And I'm pretty sure it's in most contracts if a brokerage is using a good legal expert and lawyer or attorney to draft up those broker-carrier contracts. So back soliciting, um, it's a good way to get yourself blacklisted and just blasted all over social media and have negative reviews on Google, you know, you name it. Okay, Don't back solicit. Now, what I will tell you is it is Absolutely great and very advantageous for you to prospect your own customers organically. Don't steal them from your brokerage by back soliciting. But if you realize that your customer, or that your broker's customer, always delivers to the same three locations that are not the customer, um, you know you may want to start calling yourself and prospecting. Okay, uh, assuming that the delivery location is not the customer in that situation. Um, that, so that'd be outbound free. I'm a huge fan of you, you know, getting your own customers. If you've got the capacity for it, right, but you've got to make sure that you can provide the same level of service and support that a brokerage can or a broker can. A lot of carriers think, oh, I'll get a brokerage authority and start doing all this. And they want to broker from inside the truck. Um, there's a little bit more. <laughs> uh, I'll just I'll make that simple. You know, as simple as that. It's a little bit more than just, you know, getting a load and posting. it. You've got to do a lot of work. You gotta maintain a lot of relationships, you gotta put a lot of fires out. Meanwhile, you're driving truck. So um, if you've got a good sized fleet and you're running a truck company, you're not driving, absolutely go solicit some customers, but don't back solicit. Good question though. Thanks, jockey, and thanks, Tim. So, episode 39. That's it in the books. All right, final thoughts here. We're into June. We're seeing some beautiful weather across the country, although we had a crazy, crazy Thunderstorm with hail a couple days ago at my house in Orchard Park. Tree fell down in the yard. Power went out for twelve hours. Flood in the basement. Family have to move, get a better house. Who knows? But anyway, it was a little bit of a wild weather there. But hey, that is why we get in the late spring and summertime here in the northeast. And I'd rather take that heat with some rain in it than crazy snow throughout the wintertime. On a different note with sports. We're getting – we're inching closer and closer and closer. Every single league is looking at precautions to put in place, how they're going to resume play or initiate play for a new season. I'm telling you, I think the NFL – and I say this very, very uh, loosely. I don't want to get blown up here for saying this, but I I think they're immune to coronavirus, right? I know coronavirus is a terrible thing, and it's taken the lives of a lot of people. Um, So I say this playfully. I, seriously, but the NFL is—I think—immune. They're too big. They're too big for coronavirus to shut them down. So I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of safety precautions. But I'm—I'm I'm saying there's going to be fans in the stadiums come this fall and end of summer. It's going to happen. The decline in coronavirus cases and hospitalizations and deaths and all of that positive tests—it is gone so dramatically down since we first started all this. So this is a good thing. We'll come back. I don't know. I'm not a professional in that realm. I'm not going to speak to it, but um, I'm excited and looking forward to some golf. I've gotten out in a few times this year so far, and I'm looking forward to football, looking forward to baseball, trying to figure out contracts and testing procedures and where they're going to play. That one seems to be kind of still hung up a little bit, but I think with time and patience, um, I think we might get there. I've heard rumors of a 50-game season. Is it even worth it? I don't know. So I guess we'll see. Until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of the Midnight Freight Broker Podcast. Thanks for joining, and make sure to leave a review and check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that I referenced on this episode, and feel free to add and message me on LinkedIn for suggestions for future topics. See you on the next episode.